Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief Podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist. So this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. All right. Well, I am excited to be sitting with my guest today, Annie. She's going to talk to us um, about a different type of loss that hasn't been talked about on this podcast yet, but I am excited to have her talk about it because it is just as important as all the other losses. So I won't waste another minute. Annie, I'm going to turn it over to you and you can share a little bit of your story and then we can talk about what parts of your grief experience that you want to share with our listeners. Sure. Hi, happy to be here. Um, and thank you to everyone listening. Um, well, <laughs> I guess my my beginning story of grief is about pet loss. Mm-hmm. I'm a lifelong animal lover. Uh, my family, uh, my whole childhood, we had three dogs and two cats. And when one pet would die, another stray would soon enter into <laughs> the mix. And I think for a lot of people, probably their first experience of grief might be pet loss. Sure. Um, but it it does hit differently when you're an adult and you're the caretaker of the pet. So um, for the first cat that I had on my own, um, she was diagnosed with cancer kind of out of the blue. She was only four years old. And um, it was a very intense, about two to three months of um me trying to do every natural holistic remedy I could help prolong her life with and learning um, some conventional methods of, um, I learned how to give her fluids and some injections. And uh, it was really grueling, which um, I don't, until you go through it, I don't think people understand the kind of anticipatory grief Mm -hmm. that, for both human caretakers and pet caretakers, so many little griefs along the way to the big grief kind of looming in the in the foreseeable future. So it's just a very exhausting experience on a lot of different levels. But I also found it very emotionally rewarding giving her hospice care and learning learning to provide for her and give her as much comfort as I could. Um, And I think our bond really went to a whole nother level. And that was, that experience was one of the main motivations that helped me decide to pivot into becoming an acupuncturist and going into a healing profession um, because I enjoyed being with someone through a really uh, intense physical and emotional health journey. Because I think we we can't do it alone. We all need we all need support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whether that's mental health support, physical support, right? And one of the pieces that you had that we've previously talked about, and that you wanted to make sure our listeners hear is this idea of attending to both the emotional and the physical aspects of grief. So, can you talk to me a little bit about? It might be known what some of the emotional aspects are, but obviously that manifests differently for everybody. So can you talk to us a little bit about the emotional aspects of grief that you experienced as well as some of the physical? 
Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think grief is a is a handy word, but it really it's an, an umbrella term. There's so much that falls under it. So it's hard when someone says they're grieving, it's hard to really know necessarily what they are feeling because it runs the whole emotional gamut from anger to betrayal to guilt to fear to anxiety to intense sadness and depression. It's really and love also and great love and and joy and nostalgia. So it really is one of the richest emotional experiences that I think anyone can have. In terms of pet loss particularly, um, or for human caretakers as well, there's so much guilt involved that I think pet loss is unique in that um, you are the one making the decision of when your pet's life will end. And that's such a heavy weight to carry. Um, And it's hard, you know, there, there's so many factors that weigh into it of, you know, what you can, what treatments you can afford to give them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Veterinary is so expensive. Um, What, you know, time resources you have in terms of, you know, how much hospice care can you give? You know, there's, there's like hospice services set up for human beings, but when you're going through it with an animal, it's a lot harder to get um, the full range of support systems. So it's there's there can be a lot of guilt involved, and then there's so much um, kind of just sort of confusion of the experience too, because pets are woven into your life um, in a way that even some of your closest human companions may not be um you know you get out of bed every morning and the first thing you do is feed your dog and or cat and um just so much of the rhythm Mm -hmm. of their daily life revolves around them and it's even more so as like they get older and sicker and you're devoting even more more of your attention and energy to them it really it it just is such a disorienting experience when they're no longer around and and they give so much emotional support that you've lost you need comfort most and you've lost the most comforting companion that you've had so um it's a it's a really difficult experience emotionally yeah absolutely yeah and i appreciate that you're Touching on these pieces of obviously a lot of a negative emotion and heavy emotion can come with any sort of loss, including pet loss. And there's also these positive emotions that can come with it, which sometimes can make our grieving journey even a little bit more complex, right? Of how can I experience joy when I'm also experiencing this intense sadness, right? So figuring out how do both of those fit within the grieving experience. I'm also hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm also hearing some of the physical aspects is just this routine, right? Of now my routine has changed. I'm not I don't have a cat to get up and feed. I don't have a dog greeting me when I come home. Are there any other actual physical symptoms that maybe you can speak to as an acupuncturist of what we might be experiencing physically and how that grief shows up? Oh, definitely. Um, And one of the things I love about traditional Chinese medicine is that it really is the original mind-body medicine where um, everything is interconnected and we're not just a brain and we're not just a body. We're a brain and body in a complex dance with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and each organ system traditionally is associated with a predominant emotion. 
So the emotion of sadness lives primarily in your lung system. So if you think of, um, you know, like the racking sobs or how you feel like you're being suffocated, there's this weight on your chest that you can't even breathe because the loss is so difficult to bear. So there, that's just one manifestation. It really runs the, the gamut because emotions affect the body. And especially the more I find the more that you try and suppress an emotion, it has to go somewhere. So it will go somewhere in your body and try and let you go on with life. But it's still kind of sitting there, potentially turning into just kind of nagging aches and pains, headaches, um, a knot in your stomach, all the different emotions that may be below your conscious awareness, but you're definitely still carrying them around. And uh, another really common one is like insomnia, Um, either you're sleeping too much, or you can't sleep at all, or you have these recurring thoughts running through your head of what could I have done differently? What, where are they now? Are they okay? Um, you know, the whole range of ways that we can torture ourselves can yeah. really be aggravated through the grieving experience. And just on a, on a gut level too, it's, uh, you feel like the, I know that, so I, I haven't just lost my one cat. I've lost many, many pets in the past few years. And then I've also lost my parents in the past couple of years. And each loss is different because your relationship with each person and pet is different. But each time it really is, it feels like the ground drops out beneath you because someone so integral to your world is no longer there. And you have to make sense of the world in its new form. Um, And so that actually takes a lot of your brain's energy. So confusion, brain fog, um, loss of focus, trouble concentrating. People beat themselves up over that, but that actually is a very natural part of the process. Your brain is literally having to rewire itself to make sense of how do you have a new routine without this key part of your, your life? And how do you celebrate the holidays without these family members who are so integral to your experience. So it's not just, you know, a matter of days and weeks. It really is a matter of years for your brain to kind of remap the world. So it's so important for people to give themselves the grace to do that and not beat themselves up that they're not um, getting back to normal because there is no normal anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I appreciate Thank you so much for for hitting on that, not only as someone who has experienced it themselves and walked through it, but also as someone who works with the body and does body healing and providing understanding as to why our body releases or manifests those types of symptoms. I've sit with a lot of clients and they've said exactly almost everything that you've said in terms of physical symptoms. And sure, we can normalize it and say, yeah, that's a typical part of grief and body holds on to that and all this stuff. So I appreciate that you can take it one step further and explain why that's happening in our body. And I, I hope listeners, you resonated with some of that or, you know, went, oh my gosh, I've had those physical symptoms too. And okay, that is a typical part of grief and that doesn't make me weird. And like you said, there is no normal, right? You get to establish your new normal and whatever that looks like. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the body really is trying to protect us. So mm-hmm. there's, it's, grief can be a very traumatic experience. And if you don't have the resources in that moment to process it, the body is a friend to kind of bury it for you, but it doesn't go away. It's mm-hmm. just lying there waiting for when you're ready. So it's not uncommon, you know, when, during an acupuncture treatment, you may be treating someone for regular, like regular back pain, and um, you may needle a certain point and the person will start crying mm-hmm. and just have a kind of emotional release because there was kind of, you know, it's not just a physical knot. Sometimes it really can be an emotional knot of emotional tension that the body is just kind of storing away for when it's safe to deal with it. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I plan on doing a a trauma series in October. So I appreciate that you kind of segue into that unknowingly, but yeah, our body, you know, trauma is obviously the experience that we have is very traumatic in what we witness or whatever it might be. And the way our body is helping us navigate that, I appreciate that you highlighted of it truly is protecting us. It may not seem like it in the moment it is protecting us. And that doesn't mean we can't we shouldn't attend to it, right? We still need to attend to it, even though our body is protecting us, but finding ways Mm -hmm. to release that, whether it's acupuncture, mental health therapy, massage, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's all part of the process. Speaking of which, I know you've also talked about this idea of honoring the grief journey and your experience in whatever that entails. And, you know, I've had a lot of guests speak to that towards the loss of a loved one. And I'm sure you can speak to both. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how do we honor a grief journey around pet loss, just because that's something that typically isn't talked about. And a lot of people feel like they don't have the space because people are like, oh, well, it was just a pet. Why are you so mm-hmm. sad? So what does honoring right. the journey around that look like? Um, well, it, it really is very individual, but I think the, the, first step is recognizing that it is worthy of being honored and your your grief to it there's there's enough grief to go around we don't need to get into a comparison game where someone says well you just lost a pet i lost someone else it's yeah. like no everyone's grief in every situation is completely valid yes. and um so that's i would say that's the first step is just recognizing that it is a really, really devastating loss. And how can you be kind to yourself? How can you, um, you know, it depends on the situation. If you have children, you may want to do a little funeral or ceremony Mm -hmm. to help them understand. Um, For yourself, you know, if your pet is cremated, you may want to have your own private ceremony. disposing of the ashes in a particular way that that you feel does justice to the animal or um you know there are different a different you know if you're more of like a physical tangible person you can get you know uh some vets will like make an impression of the paw print before yeah. you know um before you lose the animal yeah. and then you can make some art with the paw print mold or jewelry but for for me i think part of everyone's grief journey is there's so much treasure to be mined if you're willing to lean into it and explore the the depths of emotion there's there's no getting around the loss you can't take the loss back but 
you can decide what the loss will mean to you yeah. and and how you will honor carry you know the um everyone that i've lost i carry within me you know when i make decisions it's you know how will how how do i live how do i live my life honoring my mother my father and everyone who's loved me and gotten me where i am today um, and I include my pets in that because they've given me so much love. Um, so one of the things I did um, after my first cat, um, Delia, died and after the hospice experience, um, part of my meeting was going into the healthcare field to carry forward what I learned in tending to her to help other people. Um, but one of the first things I did she uh, got her cancer because she was undiagnosed with feline leukemia. So I did some research and I joined the um, bone marrow bone marrow donation registry. Um, so if there was a human being with leukemia who needed a bone marrow donation, I'm on the list as a potential candidate. So for me, that helped bring meaning to her loss. It really, for, for every situation, it's a really personal decision and you don't have to make it in the throes of grief either. It's, you know, when you're ready, an idea may come to you like, oh, this, this is a beautiful way to carry this experience with me and to bring something good to the world out of it. Yeah, I love that you say you don't have to find it in the throes of grief and it it will, it, it may just come to you. I've sat with a lot of clients and have just talked to people going through their grief journey of, almost feeling like they have to find something, right? Because this is particularly the work I do, but this is kind of what we, how we make sense of it, right? We find meaning. So I've encountered a lot of individuals who are almost stuck and kind of struggling and battling with themselves because they haven't found that meaning or they haven't found a way to connect to their loved ones. And while that's very, very frustrating, it's part of the process, right? It's part mm -hmm. of honoring that journey of right now, maybe that's, that's where you're at in your grief journey. And it will come right. to you. So I appreciate that you kind of give that permission. And I put that in air quotes mm -hmm. uh, to not have to find it within the throes of grief. Definitely. I mean, really, the the first few months, even up to the first year, it's so um, it's almost like a, a I mean, I've seen a couple articles that compare grief when they study the brain of someone grieving in the immediate aftermath, it's like they've had a traumatic brain injury because it's that disorienting. And and also depending on the situation too, you know, uh, if you've been in a caretaking situation, you're physically depleted because you've been putting your needs second to someone who was in um, a long stage or a short stage um, death process. So you haven't had enough sleep. Uh, I know I definitely felt my nervous system was just completely like short-circuited because for literally years, every time I got a text message, I didn't know if it would be another emergency with my parents that yeah. one of them had fallen or one of them was in the hospital. And for years, I came home from work not knowing what to expect when I had four senior pets and Sometimes I'd walk through the door and everything was fine. And sometimes I'd walk through the door and one of them had collapsed and needed to be rushed to the vet. And that really is so depleting. And mm -hmm. you can't expect, um, I knew one of my, my aunts 
gave me the very wise advice after um, one of my losses that don't make any major life decisions in the first year after losing someone important to you because you you literally just aren't in the right mind and you have to give yourself time to rebuild your strength and connect into your resilience. So that that process can't be rushed. And if you yeah. try and rush it, it, it won't go well if you try and rush it. Right. So a big part of my practices with people is trying to help them realize it's okay to go slow. It's so much powerful to be gentle. If you try and force things, think of how much resistance and strain and extra energy goes into forcing things. If you just try sitting with something and directing loving presence to whatever pain is going on and just a gentle touch, a slow, gentle touch or a reassuring conversation without any expectations of immediate results, that really like allows you to kind of find your own rhythm back into getting back into living life to the fullest. But you need to you need to build yourself up. You can't just expect to dive right in and and control everything because death is all about losing control. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, there's your permission. Not that you ever need it. But there's your permission to honor your grief journey and remind yourself that there is no timeline to grief. It looks different for everybody. It goes ups and up and down, backwards, sideways, forward, all this kind of funky stuff. So hold on to that. Annie, I f- thank you for explaining that in such a beautiful way and creating a space for listeners to really hear that and go, wow, okay. I can go slow and I'm actually doing a very powerful healing process by going slow and honoring that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd also say just connected to pet loss. I have one other important part of grieving, I think, is learning to tune people out too, because mm-hmm. people from the best of intentions will offer advice or uh, their own meaning making that is totally not helpful. Um, so I officially give you permission to to set boundaries on what you will listen to and the advice you will take. Because with pets, some people will say, oh, can, you can just get another cat or you can just get another dog. And that's absolutely true. And for me, that was one of the ways I made meaning that like, oh, I can now rescue another animal from the shelter because I have this new space opened up in my life. So that was part of my personal meaning making. But for some people, that one cat was their cat and no more. They they mm-hmm. don't want want to go there again. So it's completely individual and you just have to do what's right for you, not what people around you are telling you is the magic fix to to your problem. Oh, bless you. Thank you. We hear that all the time with any type of grief, but particularly with pet loss for the reason that you're saying of like, oh, well, you can just get another pet again, well-intentioned. And like you're saying, yeah, a handful of people do get another pet and they do that within their time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can almost guarantee, I can't speak for other people, but for myself, when I when we did get a new pet after we lost ours, it never replaced the other one, mm-hmm. right. Right? right? So being mindful of that too, of yes, even though I'm getting another animal, another pet, that doesn't mean the one I had to just grieve and put down isn't still with me. So thank yeah. you for giving permission around that because absolutely, 
Oh my gosh, that's huge. Well, if I always kind of like to tie everything in a nice little bow with this questions with my guests, um, if there is nothing that the listeners take away from this episode, which I hope you take away a lot, but if there's nothing they take away but this piece, what do you want our listeners to know? Um, Well, I would want them to know that grief is a sacred process. It's really just love continuing. So it's love that has to find a new outlet and a new way to express itself. So it's not grief is never going to end. It's just it, it will become easier as you find a new outlet to express your love that continues. So I would say it's sacred, it's meaningful, whatever it means to you is valid. And be gentle with yourself in in figuring out the process. Oh my gosh, I just got a bunch of little butterflies and oh, that was so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, you summed everything up so nicely that I think we try and communicate it in grief in general, but particularly as professionals who see grief and work with grief, you wrap that up and sum that up so beautifully. And I thank you for your time with sharing your your experience and the losses that you've encountered. And that's never an easy thing to do, even when people are 10, 15, 20 years into their grief journey, it's still very raw and requires you to be very vulnerable. So I appreciate you opening up and being willing to share your story with our listeners and provide them with any sort of hope that they can maybe instill in their own journey. Great. Thank you. Um, I hope this is service to people listening and um, I hope people know that they're not alone, that grief in our society is kept hidden, but everyone is carrying it in some way or another. So I hope they don't feel so isolated after this conversation. Yeah, I hope the same. Thank you. And I'll put your information in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to reach out to her for acupuncture stuff or just want to carry on a conversation, I'll put her information in the show notes so you have access to that. And then, of course, mine is down there as well. But I thank you for listening. I hope you were able to take at least a little bit of tidbit and place it into your grief journey, whether that's around a pet loss or a loss of a loved one or an ambiguous loss, whatever it might be. This is all applicable. So I hope you found something today that provided you with a little bit of hope. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.